want to jump in because I think God's got an incredible message for us today. If you want to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter uh, 10, we're going to look at verse 19 and 20. We'll get to that in a little bit. So Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 20. Um, why we're taking a pause from the book of Acts is we've been studying Acts for two years, literally, and we're only halfway through, and we've, we've got to know this, this character Paul in a significant way. Like Paul, this is the early church in Acts, and he's going from church to church, and he's spreading this message, this love message, it's shaking the world and rocking the world. And one of the things we're learning from him is he's, he's kind of starting the New Testament church and he's learning some great things from this city to this city and he's writing letters and, and he's encouraging and he's, and, and he's sometimes rebuking different churches and say, do this and do this. And he's fighting against the old way of doing church and we're entering into this new season with the Holy Spirit and the ecclesia, which is all of us. And Paul's going around and giving great advice. And so we're taking pause right now and we're gonna actually jump way Way ahead when we look at this Hebrews, and, and part of it is Paul was writing the book of Hebrews as a letter from some of the things that he's learned as he visited all these different churches, and so we know that we're years beyond the original church, and so we can take this advice right now knowing the end of the story as well, so we'll just hit pause and Acts, and here we are, some things we've learned from Paul. One of the things we learned and we talked about last week was the difference between community and fellowship. Community, if you are breathing, clap your hands, you are part of a community. Yeah, honestly, I don't need more community. I don't need any more community. I have more community outside a church project than I do inside church project. I got community all over the place and I imagine you do as well. I'm still looking for one more community though, though that's the, the spike ball club, so SBC. If anyone wants to be part of that community with me, Jason Perman, you're my partner. You have to be part of that with me. So, joke, that was funny, kind of. Uh, so that's community. Fellowship is what we spent a lot of time on last week talking. Again, I encourage you to listen to that message, but we're gonna continue to look at this word fellowship. And if you look at the etymology of this word, this word fellowship, like where did this word come from? Ship is the second part of it, and it's the activity that carries out the first part of that word, fellowship. And so ship is the art of doing. It moves the word before it along. So ship it follows fellow. And when you look at the word fellow, it comes from Old English and is a compound of the root for fee and lay. Fee and lay. And the radical root-based meaning of this word is one who puts down money in a joint venture. So to be a fellow is one that puts down money in a joint venture. It used to be actually be a business term. To be a fellow, I would put money in something, a joint venture, we're now in it together, we're part of something moving, and fellow means to make an investment and work at it. To make an investment and work at it. Church, I long for a church of fellows. I long for a church of fellows that are making an investment and they're working at it. They're not just casually standing by and it's us. We are invested in each other's lives. We're invested in the gospel message. We're invested in a relationship with Christ and we're working for it. We're not just slipping into the seven-year apathy, but we're saying, oh no, I want more of you, God. I want more of you. And I believe God is doing some incredible things here. 
I long for a church of fellows where each of us are making an investment and working for it, where each of us are all in for God and for the mission of God, where I would lead you and you would lead me, where passion and purpose kill apathy and neutrality, and where we wouldn't be able to keep people away because it's contagious when people are invested in the gospel message and they're invested in the lives of each other. Let's throw open that curtain because honestly, it's kind of a pain to wrench it back every week. Let's throw up that curtain and let's throw tons more chairs there because people are drawn to the fellowship of Christ and they're drawn to the fellowship of authentic community that are running after it. I want more of that. I want more of all these action kinds of things, but I want to pause from that I want to pause from giving any kind of vision message that says, hey guys, I see 600 people in here. I see, I want to pause from that. No more vision. What I read in scripture is a people living from a place of recognizing the condition of creation, fall, and redemption. A people that recognize that place where God is the author and he does the moving. God is the one that lifts that and throws 600 chairs here. Not our, our fancy vision or, or mission statements, but it's God that's moving together. Our job is to draw near to God. Period. Let's go, Broncos. Our job is to draw near to God. The rest is up to God. We shouldn't be worried or focused about living out of our mission we shouldn't be worried or focused about how individually God will be using us. That should not be consuming our thoughts and our minds and our hearts and our times and our prayer. We should not be consumed with that. We should simply draw near to God. And as we abide in him, he begins to whisper who he is and who we are and how he's crafted us and handmade us to walk this earth on purpose. So if you're spending your time in prayer time going, God, show me this magnificent plan for my life and why am I here? Stop. It's relieving to not pray that prayer. This should be your prayer. God, draw me closer to you. There's no guilt in that prayer. Don't come up with the crafty vision mission statement that says we want 600 chairs. Just say we're a church that's drawing near to God. The rest is up to him. The super good news is that our power and purpose isn't found in doing more. It's actually found in doing less. <laughs> and our work, our investment, our fellowship, our being all in is rooted in drawing near to God. So let's look at this Hebrews passage. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 20 is what we're going to look at today, or 22. And this is what it says. This is Paul. Remember, he's learned a lot talking to the early church and learning about him. And he's writing a, a letter back to him, encouraging him, us, all of us. And so he's writing a letter to us today. And this is what he's saying. So take it to heart. This is the Apostle Paul writing to you personally today. And therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the church, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, look at verse 22. Let us draw near to God 
with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Done. Because of Jesus and God, let us draw near to him. Let us draw near to God. It reminds me of James chapter seven, verses four through eight. It says, submit yourself therefore to, uh, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he what? He will draw near to you. He is a God that's jealous of our worship and jealous of our praise. Like he wants to be worshiped. He wants our praise and our job is to draw near to him and he will draw us nearer to him. So let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in verse 22 and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, since we're in Greeley, we don't need to act all urbanity. okay? I mean, we may look like a bunch of hipsters, but we know, we know some good old country back roads too, right? And so when your dog gets sprayed by a skunk, how do you wash it off? Tomato broth, broth juice, tomato juice, yeah, right? Everyone knows that? Does it work really? It kind of does. It did a little. Any of you get sprayed by a skunk and you had to take a bath in tomato juice, okay? It, it kind of works a little bit, like doing that. So when the actions of our lives are filled with pride, when the actions of, of our lives are filled with hate and slander and cheating and deceitfulness and, and envy, when the action of our lives are filled with laziness and apathy and, and we have secrets that we're walking around with and we have a guilty conscience, how do we wash that off? Well, it's far stronger than tomato juice. Way less expensive. On the outside, we may look clean, but on the inside, we walk around in, in turmoil. On the outside, we may have washed off all the stench, and we may, we may go around putting on a front like we've got it all together, but on the inside, it's just turmoil, and this cleansing can't just come with, with tomato juice. Like This cleansing has got to be a full washing from the inside out, and the only way the full washing from the inside out happens is not by going and helping old grandmas across the road, not by going to a foreign country and being a great missionary, not by looking the part. The only way to get cleansed from the inside out and to get to get the stench of our pride and our sin out of our life is to draw near to God. That's our action. Not talk about him, not debate about him, not learn all about him, not have all the, the greatest theology ever, and all those things are good. But it's to draw near to God. We should spend less time talking about the nucleus and more time with the cause agent. We should spend less time talking about God and more time with God, drawing near to God in our personal lives and, yeah, in our church life called Church Project. And some of us, though, yeah, it will look like as we draw near to God, he spurs us on to more theology that's deeper in Greek and Hebrew, and I'll pray for you if that's you. Like, we, it's not walking through apathy, and it's not being just light in what we believe and why we believe it, but we get busy with our faith only because, though, we're drawing near to God. Not to impress you, not to lead a magnificent movement that will fill this gym of 600 people, 
but a people whose hearts is drawing near to God, bellows invested in this thing called Christianity. Oh, we'll go intellectual here for a second. Okay, Bernard of Clairvaux, a 12th century French abbot, says this. The man who is wise, therefore, will see his life as more of a reservoir than a canal. The canal simultaneously pours out what it receives. The reservoir retains the water till it is filled then discharge, and then discharges the overflow without loss to itself. Today, there are many in the church who act like canals. The reservoirs are far too rare. You too must learn to await this fullness before pouring out your gifts. Do not try to be more generous than God. Church, are we reservoirs or are we canals? You know the first person who has to ask that question? Aaron Havens. Because the first thing I do is I come across a great bit piece of information, and the first thing I do is I can't wait to share that with Church Project. We need to be reservoirs that are drawing near to God, and out of the overflow of that nearness to God does our heart speak, does our action do. And I pray that we are a church of fellows that are reservoirs. God is already drawing near to you. If you're alive, God is drawing near to you. Point blank, end of story. He loves you and he wants more of you. He's drawing near to you right now. That's really cool to know. That's one of the things that separates Christianity from all other religions is other religions are prove your way to God. Christianity is God is proving his way and clawing after us daily, saying, I want you, I want your worship. I made you, I created you. Breathe that in, that is cool. Reminds me of Hosea chapter two, verses 14 through 20. We're going to Old Testament today, why? Because we're not in Acts, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Hosea chapter two, 14 through 20. Do you know this story? Read this, read Hosea, it's an incredible book about an owner that chases after and a husband that chases after his wife. His wife is a prostitute over and over again and you see this relentless love of a husband chasing after his wife and as we pause, we can look at it and say the husband is God and we are the wife. God will not stop pursuing us regardless of how many acts that we've done against him and against humanity. God is chasing after us and so knowing this, let's read Hosea chapter two, verses 14 through 20. Therefore, I will now allure her, and it's the husband, God, calling to his wife, us, his church, and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there, I will give her vineyards, her, her vineyards, and make the valley of Achor a, de- a door of hope. There, she shall respond as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt, On that day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal, for I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and there, and they shall shall be mentioned by name no more. I will make for you a covenant on that day with the wild animals, the birds of the air, and the creepy things of the ground, and I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. And I will take you for my wife forever. 
and I will take you for my wife in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and mercy. I will take you for my wife in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And the church cries out to you today and says, I will take you as my wife. Regardless of your actions, draw near to me, church. John 15, 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so has I loved, have I loved you. Abide in my love. Psalms 27, 4 says, One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The bottom line is God is already drawing near to you. The question is how do we draw near to God? Teach me how to come to your presence and to be refreshed by you, O Lord, my husband, my father, my God, as you pursue me and all my unrighteousness and worthiness. Teach me how to come and be refreshed by you. Teach me humbly, daily, personal, to meditate on you and to have joyful worship and to be in awe and love of who you are, my Father. And our job to draw near to God is to recognize him daily as our source of everything and to be in awe of him. Amen? And so, as in verse 22 it says, and having our bodies washed with pure water, doesn't that sound super refreshing? To have your life washed with pure water? We draw near to God and he draws near to us. All right, enough talking about it, we're gonna go through this. I have been um, able to engage with, with leaders in the front range in this nine-month process called Praxis. And one of the things we do is, is get together and pray and really just ask, how are we doing with our spiritual rhythms? And are we focusing on the things of God? And, and it's pausing, and it's hard for me to pause. It might be hard for you to pause. But once a month, I'm called to this, and I've committed to this. And I'm asking our church to do this today. There's an exercise. It's in a form of a prayer of, of examination. And Ignatius of Loyola thought this to be a key to drawing near to God. So all you need to know is a wise man, holy man that came before us thought that this was a, a key into drawing near to God. So I'm gonna ask all of us in this room today to go into a few moments here where it could be really awkward for you, it could be very beautiful for you. I would encourage you to close your Bibles, shut down your iPhones, get all distraction away from you. And if it helps, Put both feet just firmly on the ground and sit up with the, your hands in a posture of receiving. And we're going to walk through drawing near to God today instead of just talking about drawing near to God. And so would you just close your eyes and calm your breathing. Just focus on being in this place and being alive. Let's reflect back on our last 24 hours on our day. Love. Offer yourself in this time to God. And slowly reflect upon how God actually sees you 
and how God actually feels about you. And just gaze at God who is always gazing upon you with the eyes of grace and compassion. And let's take a few moments just to rest in God's love. Gratitude. Ask the Spirit to guide you to see how God, through the gifts He's given you, expresses love to you throughout the day. Articulate your gratitude to God. Often the giver is in the gift. Grace. Allow the Spirit to breathe life into your prayer right now as you reflect back on your day, the last 24 hours and perhaps reflect back one period after another or reflect backwards from this point to the last 24 hours. Notice the way God was present to you and linger as you remember those experiences. Notice and thank God for the moments, the people, the circumstances and experiences where you recognize God was present with you. Grace. Release and receive. Notice when you felt distant from God, resistant to or simply unaware of God's love for you today. Offer those reflections to God, receiving and tasting God's refreshing, cleansing. Savor the rest that is extravagant forgiveness brings. Linger in God's abundant love for you. And when you're ready, you just request the grace to receive God's love more freely tomorrow and be refreshed. How does your awareness of God's love for you affect the way you see and interact with others, your circumstances, and yourself? And church, what a simple way to abide in God. What an easy practice 
to daily walk through as we reflect and abide in him. We, are, we find our identity in him. And he's soft with our hearts and minds. I'm gonna ask Weston Kurz to come. And as we continue to abide in God in this place, we're gonna go through communion together. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you've made this so crazy simple. You've asked us to abide in you. Today in this place, we want to linger with you. We want to reflect on who you are and who you've created us to be.